Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus in the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from Room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nick Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida State is in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world of course you can find us on twitter at talk underscore tomahawk and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837 once again that's 850-644-1837 welcome to tomahawk talk everyone and just like bull bull we too are usually the last ones in the production room that's crazy uh i'm sorry i i i couldn't (laughs) think of anything else i i just gotta apologize already that was a loser statement to say and speaking of losers we'll be getting to uh, some losers and also some winners the nba draft happened last week and of course there was a lot of trading going on. Our thoughts on the draft and where everybody stands. Uh, of course, the magic of FSU's unlikely College World Series run finally died out. The final thoughts on the season and the thoughts on the new, new, old, new. But he's like no, kind of new, but like not new at the same time. He's like, it's, a, wa- it's, he's it's, like a washcloth that you just throw in the washing machine and comes back okay. out. Okay. Nice. Wow. Wow. Oh, that was really disrespectful. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go with that, though. Okay, we'll, we'll, sure. we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Meet, also known as Mike Martin Jr., uh, is the new head coach of your Florida State baseball team. Uh, we have a lot to chop through on the show tonight, so let's get right into it. What is a captain without his crew? I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Luke Fay. Destroyed a TV with a wiffle ball bat last night. Uh, must have been your rage because Taco Fall wasn't drafted, right? Uh, no, I think it was. It more has to do with uh, the, the unfortunate event of Alex Krutchik. It, it just continues. He, he forgets his shoes. He, uh, he has a tough time eating food. Only Alex is just uh, he's out there, but uh, Brett Brett gets a new TV after getting it broken within 30 seconds of Alex coming in. I, I just he's a he's a funny <laughs> kid. I thought I was funny, but Alex might be the funniest kid in the radio station. I don't know. I don't. He thought it cost eight hundred dollars to fix. Yeah, it was a two hundred dollar TV. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not exactly the uh, the great the great mathematics there. Uh, and this week, we have a bit of a shakeup with the panel. We've got Mr. Get What You Pay For, Brandon Spencer in the house. How are you, my man? I'm doing pretty well. You know, today was hot. I was it was walking hot. all over campus today, and I was I was dying. It was, like, legit, like, 105 degrees it's, outside. It's been unbearably rainy, yeah. and it's just been extremely hot. And normally, it's neither. Or, well, it's either one or the other, but now it's just been together, and it's been the worst it's thing. It's been awful. And I was wearing all black, and I'm already black, so, like, absorbing all <laughs> oh, this heat, no. it just wasn't, no, it wasn't a thing. I wasn't, I wasn't here for it. <laughs> And joining us tonight, special guest Courtney Korsak. She was on the show a while ago, and she did a great job, so we decided to bring her back. It's good to see you, Courtney. How are you? It's great to see you. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I just got back from Omaha, and it's really hot here. I'm going to have to agree with that. Yeah. I went on a run tonight, and I was dying. How, how's it being a uh, college graduate? Um, I've been a college graduate since December, and it has its ups and, ups and downs. For sure. They don't teach you about the anxiety that comes with after graduation. But I digress. We're not going to get into that. No, it's a weird thing. (laughs) We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's the feeling of, okay, I finished my last class. Just really quickly. It's the uh, the anxiety. Okay, I just finished my last class. But it's also like, okay, so now I'm going to have to graduate, and I don't want to do that. But I also finished my last class, so I'm, like, really happy about it. Anyways. 
<laughs> we do have, have a lot to get through. Luke Fay, Brandon Spencer, Courtney Corsecond. Once again, my name is Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, pick the top stories, and pitch them to our panel, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, a report was released today detailing an interview with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. And in this interview, he said that the NBA has been leaning away from using the word owner in reference to the management groups that own the teams for years now. And more teams are following suit now, referring to the owners in some other different ways. I believe the Pelicans refer to their owners as management groups or something like that. And that's just in reference to the to the owners again. And this was a really interesting story for me to read. I personally hadn't realized that this was happening, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on it and whether or not you think that any of this is necessary, starting with Luke. Well, Silver ended up saying that they were kind of changing out the name owner into governor which to me is even kind of worse it's kind of weird it, it's it's a very odd it's not it's almost political in in that sense the word governor uh i i, I don't really get it in, in my opinion i understand it, it all goes back to the nfl and um think the owner of the texans it was his name mcnair i can't really remember his name yeah. but he said something to the effect of you know you don't let the uh the, the inmates run the prison, I believe, is is what he said. And they that kind of got a bunch of flare-up. And with that, NBA is the most progressive, as we know, the most progressive uh, sports organization out there. Um, they've always been ahead of it. Donald Sterling, first, they, they, they kicked him. They essentially made him sell uh, the L.A. Clippers. So will this actually go towards a whole league mandate where now it's going to be the league governor's meetings at the end of the season or uh, before the season starts i don't really know in my opinion i think it's dumb i saw a uh, i saw a twitter poll where 91 percent of twitter users in the poll said that changing it from owner to governor would be better but then again or would be worse uh but then again i'm not an nba player i don't really get it um i i i don't know what it's like to be owned uh uh so it for me it doesn't really matter but i mean brandon could come from a, a different perspective in that uh i, yeah. I don't i don't see any, luke luke just stop while you're ahead just stop while you're ahead uh brandon you are a man of color of course so um, i'm interested in yeah. hearing your opinion on this i like this is the first i'm hearing of this and i like the idea i don't like the idea of governor per se because it is kind of weird uh i was reading an article that was just saying that um i did watch this episode of the shop where draymond green mentioned that he rather see it be a ceo or no um commissioner i believe it says but something different something other something than like that governor. I think ceo or chairman yeah yeah ceo chairman or chairman which is like way better in my opinion because i mean they run the show this is their their, their um organization so ceo works better but coming but as a black man and like uh, luke said about the donald sterling thing with um the the owners uh having you know control or saying the things they said I, I i agree completely with the percentage of the african-american players and minority players in general that are in the league having owners for these players just kind of like you know brings you back you know to the days of slavery and so to take away from that stigma and just to show how you know for the league thinks the nba thinks compared to all the other leagues i think this is very very positive and i think it's smart because he knows his demographic. He knows who his players are, and if they're offended by the word, or if they think that, or if he thinks that they believe that there should be a change in the name, then I'm, I'm glad he did so. 
Courtney? Um, I'm going to agree with Brandon. I mean, I think governor is definitely not the word, especially with everything that's going on right now in society with um, with in politics. Mm-hmm. I don't think governor is the right word, especially when you're you're saying that you're worried about racial tension or it's, racial It's out of the yeah. fire and into the governor, frying pan, yeah. Yeah, but CEO, I love CEO. I mean, who doesn't want to be called a CEO? Right. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this was really something that, I don't want to say caught me off guard, but it was definitely something that piqued my interest because I was in the, I guess, I don't know if I was in the majority or the minority, but I was in the percentage of people that I guess was in the middle and I didn't really know or, or really care that the word owner was used. And don't get me wrong, I love Adam Silver. I think he's probably the best commissioner out of all of the com- out of you know uh, and, 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 professional, and, and, and professional leagues, leagues yes, yeah. the five major leagues i really love adam silver he's very forward thinking he always knows what to say he mm-hmm. handles things with a very professional stature that i think that other leagues can learn from but reading the story i just couldn't help but wonder why why is this real i why is this really necessary i didn't think it was an issue now of course my uh, opinion may be overruled by somebody else uh, you know that maybe is closer to the situation but I'm not going to call that call it stupid because it, it is a good idea, but governor again is probably yeah. not the right Th- word for that's, it. That's that's where I see the problem with. It. I don't really owner. Like I said, I I didn't have anything. I, I mean, I didn't see anything wrong with it too much, but I saw the perspective. I went, okay, yeah, yeah. I could see why they want to change it. And chairman, I liked what Brandon said with that, where someone brought up chairman. That makes more sense. But governor kind of br- still, to me, isn't really too much of a step away from uh, and the word owner. Especially because I hadn't really heard too many people complaining about it. I didn't think it was uh, uh, that big of an issue. So when you tackle something that is apparently small in, I guess, the grand landscape of the NBA, it just pushes forward the thinking of why. I want to say that within the media, it wasn't widely reported. But if you if you listen to some of these players. podcasts within the players where players. it's it's not exactly said or within the rumblings just in the locker room and throughout, then then you'd understand where they're coming from. Because I've, I've heard a little bit about it before. Yeah, because it's not the fans. It's not it's not the media. It's definitely the players. Because I remember even um, Andre Iguodala when he uh, they asked him something about um, to Steve Kerr. He was like, I'm just going to do a master sets. It yes. kind of goes back to like the players feel like the owners have too much control over them, and like just like go back to that whole Isaiah Thomas thing. So he gave his heart to the league. I mean, to the Celtics. He played injured, and then it just threw him away like he was trash. It's kind of just like the owners just do whatever they. The owners, quote unquote, owners just or the president just do whatever they want, and the players really don't have that much control. And it kind of ha- like it kind of has a stigma around it. You take away that stigma, maybe the environment eases down a little bit and things get easier and players are already starting to take more control over what they do in free agency and when it comes to um even trades demanding where they want to go so you know this isn't really too much of an issue with the nba it's more of an issue with the nfl i would agree i think so too i've heard it way more for sure number one the nfl has just way more worse owners they do have worse owners for the players the players association uh for the nfl fights and fights and fights and you look at the contracts between Major League Baseball and you look at um, the NBA, their players are getting paid so much more. The value of an NFL player, in my opinion, is is more than an NBA player, but someone's getting paid more. They're just being progressive, which is good. It's good. There's nothing right, wrong with exactly. that. Right, exactly, and that's why it's, I made the, the important notion that I really enjoy Adam Silver and the way that he handles his league because you take a look at what Roger Goodell has done over the past couple of years. The – 
I guess the I'm going to call it the Colin Kaepernick issue, but it's really blown up to be its own gigantic movement. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for two years, and really nothing has been done about it. Nick, there were problems before that with people exactly. in Goodell. The owners mm-hmm. loved him because he was he was for them and still is. And the players, uh, I mean, if you're if you're a draftee going up and shaking Roger Goodell's hands, that's like shaking the Sith Lord's hands. <laughs> well, if you're Christian Wilkins, if you're Christian Wilkins, you just try just to give him a hug and just yeah, body slam him no, almost, <laughs> basically suffocate him to death. You know, exactly. Uh, either way, it's a very interesting dichotomy, especially uh, a dichotomy, especially when it comes to the way that we use words. I mean, I would go to Brandon and say, "Hey, you own that microphone," but when it comes to people, it's really it's just it's thing. a whole different story. Yeah. So. With that being said, that was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, answered by our panel. Uh, that was a really long segment. That was a very interesting one. Lots to talk about. But uh, we got some housekeeping to take care of. One piece of news that I did hear over the past, co- uh, the past week or so is that uh, DeAndre Francois may be transferring to Alabama State instead of FAU uh, with Lane Kiffin. Uh, and this is really interesting because Florida State plays Alabama State next year. So if this were to go through, Luke, uh, DeAndre Francois would be returning to Doak Campbell Stadium. If this, saying that this does happen, do you think that Francois would return to a mountain of booze, cheers, or a little bit of both? I think that he will return to a huge amount of cheers from his ex-teammates. Uh, from, from the fans, it actually, honestly, to me, it depends how the season goes. If Florida State starts out, I, I don't know how far that is. I, I think it's about ten, close to 10 games in. I want to say we'll say it's ten games in. If Florida State is five and five, he's gonna get cheered. He's gonna get <laughs> cheered hard. And you're telling me John Dre Francois might not have a very good season with Alabama State, but when he comes back to Doe Campbell Stadium, he is gonna be playing lights out. I I guarantee you that he he's got he's got something, uh, you know he's got something to miss that. Uh, maybe he was playing a little bit, and he needed to come back last year, and he was a little bit injured, just ne- didn't have his legs underneath him, and that really wasn't what he was. He had a horrible offensive line. Honestly, Alabama State's offensive line might be better than Florida State's. Wow. Uh, but that being said, it's really interesting because uh, you, you've seen this with Jalen Jones, who went to, um, I don't want to say McNeese State, but he he went to an HBCU, and there was another quarterback um uh, there was another, I want to say, a Florida State quarterback who who went to maybe Alabama State, um, formerly. But the, it's it's pretty common to go to FCS. Uh, I'm interested to see whether it'll make his draft stock any better uh, than than how bad it is at this point. Because at FAU, I don't think he got into school. Right, Courtney, do you agree with that? Cheers, booze, or in the or somewhere in between? You know, I don't really know how. I feel like I'm not really sure that he's going to be at Alabama State. I most of the articles that I've read are they're pretty they pretty much don't really have any information on it. It's Granted, just rumors I don't, at this point. I don't have any information on it either personally. So, I think at this point it's really just like making a stir. Yeah. More than anything, but I don't see him coming to an applause. Okay. Brandon, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I agree with Courtney. I don't see him coming to an applause at all. Um his teammates, I don't even see his teammates cheering for him. Yeah, I see them dapping him up, maybe. But cheering, not not at all. But him coming back to Florida State, um, from whether they're true or not, the rumors of him and the domestic violence between him and his girlfriend, that's not, that's not going to cut it. And I don't think Florida State fans are going to support that. And so 
they're not going to support him by cheering for him. That's just my opinion. I might be wrong. I hope I'm not, but, you know. But on to some happier things. Uh, Mike Martin Jr. was announced as Florida State, uh, Florida State baseball head coach this past week, and it was something that, to, at least personally to me, came very soon. came a lot sooner than I thought it was going to. Now, there was a lot of press about how this was a nationwide search and there was going to be time spent to find the right person. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that Mike Martin Jr. isn't the right person. I've always thought that Mike Martin Jr. would be the right person for the job. He's closest to the team. He knows the players, yada, yada, yada. He has his father, which I'm sure Mike Martin is leaving the program, but that doesn't mean that he's going to leave the program. You don't think that Mike Martin is going to ask, or Mike Martin Jr., rather, is going to ask his father for advice every single chance that he gets. But with that being said, Luke, do you like this hire and were you surprised that it came out so soon i was surprised it came out soon i don't i don't really you can't really evaluate the hire until you know people go on the on the uh on the field and in my opinion from what i've been told from people that have known the situation within even the recruits that a lot of these recruits have held on for junior and if junior didn't get the job then the class was kind of gonna unravel and junior at the press conference he said that uh, he's got a bunch of recruits that are ready to commit now as well, so it's going to be a, a steady flow of recruits. What I what I did like was he said he was going to be different than his dad, uh, which some people may like, some people might. Hopefully, the different includes a national championship. <laughs> uh, but I I like I actually liked the hire after I talked to him. Now David Coburn, the athletic director who kind of stepped into a role, he was interim for a while. He said that he was on the fence. He really, he really did say that he was on the fence about that, and he said, in in his in his opinion, he didn't think he deserved the he he deserved the job at the beginning, and after a while, uh, the last three weeks he spent with uh, Junior and the program, and it kind of won him over within these last three weeks, and it it begs the question, if they had lost in Athens in the first two games, would his opinion of Junior been a little bit different? The way he, because it's a little bit more adversity than um, them winning out, and everyone's excited about the new hire. Courtney, you and I have watched a lot of Florida State baseball together this season, uh, the uh, the highs and the lows, and we haven't really gotten the chance to talk to you since that <laughs> that kind of mid season slide, yeah. uh, and everything went uh, bottom side up. But now that the season has completed, and now that the Florida State has their coach and everything seems to be settled with, how do you view the season for Florida State? Do you view it as a success? I, oh, definitely. I mean, nobody would have expected that we had got it that far. I mean, to get to Omaha with this team through what they've gone through, I mean, they were no hit by Stetson, lost to UF miserably mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. being up hours. by, what, five? I think six runs. Six runs. I mean, I just did not see this from this team, granted – you know, it was Mike Martin's last season, so I think they definitely had a reason to keep going. But when everyone gets upset that, you know, I mean, they did get no hits towards the end, yeah. which definitely wasn't favorable, favorable, but the fact that they made it that far is, is quite an amazing feat. Yeah, the bats just went cold, Brandon, when they really did, could not afford to. Of course, Texas Tech beating Florida State 4-1 uh, to one in that game. Um Though that run, that one run from Florida State did come in the fourth inning, but the bats were really just not there. Only three hits over the course of the entire game, and I believe that there were only three hits in the Michigan game as well. Mm-hmm. It was just not a real good 
I guess, week for the Bats. And that was something that was really very strong for Florida State heading into the College World Series. Did you expect this to happen? Um, First of all, they I just want to give them credit. They had an amazing run, uh, incredible season. But um, talking about the, the last couple of games, it's crazy, the contrast. And it kind of just points to how up and down the teams were, this team was this, throughout this whole season. Um, again, in Athens and in Baton Rouge, the bats were incredible. Like, I think I want to say they gave what had one of what, 17 runs, two games, or something like that? Yeah, and I mean, they're facing Georgia's ace pitcher, and he's going to go first round, first draft, 2020. It was, it was incredible. And it gets top SEC teams. And, believe, and, and I then, believe the pitcher, pitcher on the second day was probably going to go first mm-hmm. round the next year as well. Right. Yep. And to see them go from that to just not be able to, you know, hit a cold, catch a cold. Like, it was it was ridiculous. And um, it just shows the, the type of season that they had. And... At the end of the day, you really can't be surprised because this is the team we've known and seen all season. But I am happy and proud of what they were able to accomplish, and I think it goes to show how much you know they wanted to really try to win it for 11. And I also thought something that was really pertinent out of all of this is really just how difficult the game of baseball is to play. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't always been the biggest baseball fan. I've kind of had my doubts about the sport, and I've gotten a lot of flack for it, especially from a lot of people sitting in this room. But it really just shows to you how difficult this is to win the entire title when you think about the accomplishments that Mike Martin has. 40 40 plus one seasons, 17 College World Series appearances, and a whole bunch of other stats that I would have to list to make sure that I got them all. But he doesn't have that championship. Even as well as the team played to get through Georgia, uh, FAU, and LSU, it just, just really speaks to how difficult this sport is and really just how wonderful Mike Martin has been the entire way through. But uh, Brett has sat down in Luke's seat. Uh, he was at the press conference, as was Courtney, so she can chime in on this as well. But um, what was your biggest takeaway from Mike Martin Jr.'s in- introductory press conference? Uh, the, the biggest thing for me, and, and I'll preface this with saying that I wasn't here for 11's early days. None of us were. He's, no. He was coaching at Florida State long before we were alive. He got his, fir- his first win two days after the Rubik's Cube was created. <laughs> That's insane. So... <laughs> so I, I will say, like, these last couple of years of Eleven's career, he, he's been always a competitor, but he's always had a little bit of a laid-back kind of personality, um, just kind of a, a, an easygoing personality. From from what I saw from, from Junior today, he wants to be aggressive from the get-go. Um, and he, he talked about it with recruiting, with um, funding for the program, with just how he wants to do things. He wants to create his own, you know, his own name for himself, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a much different mentality going into next season for, for Florida State baseball. Do you have anything to add, Courtney? I mean, I really loved how he talked about putting an emphasis on the mental health of his players. I mean, baseball is such a mental, a mentally, um, I don't know what I'm challenging. saying. Mentally challenging game. And, ex- like, for example, somebody like Elijah Cavell, who came out in the beginning of the season, and he was so fun to watch, like, on – on the plate and then he just went cold and we didn't see him the rest of the season that's a mental thing it's not his ability he's very he's very talented very athletic and at the end of the day it really comes down to whether he's mentally ready to be on the field and one other thing and and again i'll preface this by saying that florida state baseball the, the quality on the field it hasn't been stale the baseball's still been very good but in terms of facilities funding and, and all the other amenities that other programs, not only across the country, but within the ACC have had at Virginia Tech, at Virginia, at Duke, you know, at NC State is another one. 
Florida State doesn't have that. And as much as I love Hauser and, and, and Florida State has some really nice facilities, they're not competing with other teams across the country. And I think one of Junior's top priorities, obviously, one is to keep keep winning, and Florida State hasn't stopped doing that. Um, but it is to catch up with the rest of the schools across the country in facilities, and obviously they need they need the money to do that. So I think that's definitely going to be the top of the priority list for, for Junior. One thing I definitely took away from it, and it's usually what you see when um, sons take, o- uh, take over as head coaching jobs in different places um, around the country, and this Junior's doing it at his – the same school as his dad, but he's really emphasizing that he is not 11 and that he's trying to put into place a whole different scheme, a whole different game plan, and he wants this team, his teams, to be different. He has a different philosophy, and he even mentioned that him and 11 argued like pretty badly about a lot of things. And so I think we're going to see a very different team, a more aggressive team. I think I'm here for it. Final words before break, Courtney? Um, I mean, that's another reason why I know people are criticizing Martin Jr.'s um, his hiring, but I think that's another reason why it's so important that he was hired because I'm not saying he was the cheapest option. That's not what I'm putting on. I'm saying he was the <coughs> best affordable option for Florida State that can help them get the facilities. He seems like a bulldog to me. From being in that press conference today, I love his energy. I love his personality. So I think he's going to get things done, and he was the best option for Florida State. So we are about halftime right now. We're going to take about a two-minute break. Thank you all so much for being with us here. Uh, You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State on the other side of the break. 
we were finishing up talking about Mike Martin, Mike Martin Jr., and the end of the Florida State baseball season. But one more question I have before we move on to the NBA draft, and this is open to everybody. Uh, we haven't really talked about the game itself. Of course, I mentioned that the one run that Florida State was able to score was in the fourth inning, and that was an unearned run, actually. What, Luke, my question to you is, if anything, what was something that you would have done I'm not going to say better, or but I'm going to say differently than what the actual outcome was that Mike Martin decided to do. They they put the they put the best players on the field that were playing at the time. Like Becker was was their best option at the nine, um, but you could tell he was he was a little bit hampered. Um, there was some type of wrist injury that that was there. Um, what I didn't like was um, some of the pinch hitters that they did go to towards the end when you know you need something. Uh, it was Sanchez who just announced yesterday that he's transferring to away from Florida State. Um, I, I think it's is it Alex Sanchez? Alex Sanchez, yep. Um, and then uh, Baldor you went with, and the third one was Swanson, I believe. It was. And and all those guys are, they're all right. They're, there's nothing special about them, but there was something that happened with Elijah Cabell to where there was no chance that Mike Martin was going to play him. And at some point, I his his power is worth more than just sitting him. And it's only it's only one it's only one at bat in the seventh or eighth inning. And Florida State needed some type of spark. Uh, Becker had gone cold. Uh, Reese Albert was nursing an injury. He probably shouldn't have been playing. He had was it thirteen strikeouts? Something ridiculous uh, since since he hit those two home runs against LSU. The only thing I have a problem with Nick is. Who are they going to hire that's going to fix the defensive issues, which got better at the end of the season, but there's always been a problem, to fix the defensive issues and get back that consistent pop that these Florida State baseball players are used to? Well, I take what you said about Cabell, and I raise you this. Um, and I just lost the name in my head, but uh, oh, excuse me, Cooper Swanson, he's also shown a lot of power over the course of the season. Why, why would you have Cabell over Cooper, who does have that same kind of pop? I, I, did he do anything? Well, no, but I'm but I, but if you're so high on Cabell, that's that's that's, I I mean, who was starting? Who was starting, Nick? Who was th- was Swanson starting? No, no. So I would go with a, I would go with a guy who was more experienced, had more to more to, he had more to win by going up there. He but, had something but to even, prove. Just even as a pinch hitter, I I don't know. No, my uh, it's it's my opinion. You know, uh, you, opinion, you got yours. I do. You don't have to agree. <laughs> I do. I know. I know. Uh, Courtney, what about you? Was there anything that you would have done differently? <clears throat> Let me preface this by saying I did not watch baseball until the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. just for the record. Mm-hmm. However, I would have replaced Tim Becker with Elijah Cabell like two games two games ago, not when he did it, not when he had him pinch hit. I would have not done that. Um, Reese Albert, I mean, he's the reason. He's part of the reason why we got to mm-hmm. Omaha. So, like, we have to respect that, but clearly he was hurting. He went, I believe it was one for 13 with eight or nine strikeouts. I think that was what it was sounded more that like. sounds correct um and i was i was a little frustrated that he was still there because you know he's in the second he's in the second spot of the lineup we need <laughs> we need not that <laughs> right so um those are the two biggest things i would change the other thing that was frustrating is that i felt like this season when the pitching was hot the batting was was not and then when the batting was on fire the pitching was like what am i watching so you have to you have to give it to the pitching staff and how they did in Omaha because it was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Drew Parrish. He hadn't he didn't look like that all season. Maybe one time against Clemson, I think it was. 
But other than that, I mean, it was the Drew Parrish that we saw last year. So there's not really a lot you can change when one part of your game is doing great, and then why, why is it like that? I don't know. Brandon, I know it's very early to ask you this, but what are your expectations for Florida State baseball next season? Um, well, let me let me say this first. Um, I thought that because they were struggling so much, they were too eager and really reaching to try to, you know, get big hits or hit home runs. And I think that made the game really hard to watch, in my opinion. Watching them play in those last two games, um, they knew they were struggling and they were so ready to get out of the slump that they were just reaching at everything. And I've noticed, like, over the season that when uh, – when we're battling the pitchers more, that's when we get – that's when we were hot. When we were, like, I want to say it was, like, over five pitches, five, six pitches, we were – that's when we were – we hit the best. But looking into next year with the more aggressive style, not taking any – like uh, Meat said, not taking um, fastballs right down the middle anymore, I think our batting is going to be a lot better in my opinion. Nick, I, I got a question for you. Sure. Florida State's relieving was horrible mm-hmm. all season. And then when the playoffs came on, I don't know what – it was incredible, switch, but they were one of the best relieving teams in the country yeah. from Athens, LSU, Haney. even when it Jeez, got over Haney to Omaha. Calaro had six strikeouts. Yeah, he had six yeah. Stri- strikeouts in a row at, at one point. Uh, Velez came in, looked like a starter when he came in against LSU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Haney was phenomenal as well. Yeah. Is, there, is, is that a little bit of hope that now the pitching staff will be almost complete? They don't have to worry about as much? No, and I'll tell you why. Drew Parrish was really hot at the end of last year as well like really, really hot, and he came back, and he really didn't have that great of a season. Baseball is always one of those sports that it's it's probably the most difficult sport out of the, all the five major sports that it's the most difficult to carry something over from one season to the other. You see it with pitching all the time in the major leagues. You see people having Cy Young-level seasons, you know, really, really clean ERAs, and it just does not translate over to the next season. Basically, and that basically is just going to be my answer to you, is that you don't know until next season starts because there is that long offseason. And if you don't have your stuff as a pitcher, you just don't have your stuff. And sometimes you don't have your stuff for a long time. So I, I think that it's not a guarantee that the, the bullpen is going to be as good as it was in the College World Series and throughout the rest of the playoffs uh, as it was this season. But, you know, I guess if you're a Florida State fan, that's what you're hoping for. But moving on to the NBA draft, there was a lot to talk about in this draft and things pretty much went according to plan for the first three picks, and then everything just went absolutely crazy. Hawks moving into number four, taking Darius Garland, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Luke, obviously Zion, was the number one pick. He's always going, was going to be the number one pick. We flirted last week talking about, well, what would David Griffin you know, do to sh- try and shop him? How much would he be able to get for him? Would that even be a plausible idea? Uh, and I was the only one really who's saying, well, maybe, maybe he should listen to offers, and it was all about how much is David Griffin going to buy into Zion Williamson. But now that Zion is going to New Orleans, what kind of impact do you think that Zion is going to have on that team? Well, you, you mentioned the, the trade. Well, the, they did trade. They traded the fourth they pick. They traded the fourth pick, which you were a little bit off on first, fourth, but they got a good haul out of the fourth Absolutely. pick as well. Um, I think the Pelicans killed the draft. They had the Pelicans and the Hawks. Were, were the were the best were the best teams within the draft they they put it out perfectly but now you look at it Nick Anthony Davis is a great player one of the top players in the country but he wasn't really a type of guy that you would if, if Anthony Davis was coming to Orlando would I drive down to go see him 
Probably not. Like, he was on a sorry team, whatnot. Zion Williamson at Duke, the game he broke through his shoe, those those tickets were going for two grand. Two grand. This is a this was the best thing that could have happened to the Pelicans is getting Zion in the building where now it's always gonna have celebrities in it. No matter what no matter what, they're gonna people will show to see Zion because really he's he's a freak show. You you go to a freak show to see something and he's gonna put on a he's gonna put on a great a great performance, but the team around him that they've got with Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram and uh is it Jackson Hayes? Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes. Which um, I didn't. I didn't like that pick, but we'll get into that. I, yeah. Well, that I think that was one of those freebie picks. They've got uh, enough to go. Jaleel Okafor could come out of his shell and decide to play basketball. You never know. You never but know. To me, to me, the Pelicans are better off with Zion than they ever would be with Anthony Davis. He obviously couldn't carry a team. Uh, the it, it's just Zion's more sexy. He's a, he's a sexier he's a sexier pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Brandon, apart from uh, Zion Williamson's sexiness, uh, we're going to move to the second pick with John Moran going to the Grizzlies. Obviously, the Grizzlies moved Mike Conley, huge contract that he had to the Jazz, which I love that trade I for the Jazz. That, that is so, awesome. for well, for both teams. Uh, John Moran, obviously, he's got some proving to do, but that trade to the Jazz are going to be a real threat in the West this year. But what is your opinion? On uh, the Grizzlies selecting John Moran at number two, which is what uh, which is what everybody thought was going to happen. Uh, I thought it was a great pick for them. And honestly, I, before I saw the trade, I thought it was going to be great for uh, John Morant to have Mike Conley um, to mentor him. I thought that was going to be like perfect for him to have a such a high IQ, um, underrated really guard as his mentor to show him the ropes to just you know teach the game to him at that high level um but now the team is his uh he's walking into uh memphis with him and jaron jackson they're going to be the two stars and they're going to be the future of the team and i think he's going to start off slow because obviously he has to get used to the pace of the game and the style but i think he's going to be a great great player especially in that city because he's a tough kid and that's a tough you know tough grown city i think it's going to be a, a great fit um, I don't know if we're going to get to this or not, but I want to talk about the Hawks. We will, we will definitely <laughs> talk about I the wanna, Hawks. I want to add on my rant um, on Jaw. I had the privilege to watch him play FSU. Um, it was in Hartford. And, man, he is one of the most emotional players I have ever seen play the sport. I mean, he loves basketball. Mm-hmm. Everybody's feeding off of him. He feeds off of the crowd, which, you know, it, it can be bad if the team's not doing well. But he is such an emotional player and such a joy to watch that – I love the pick. You love the pick. and it's, Well, Memphis is its one of those middle-of-the-road kind of markets. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily the loudest crowd that you're going to see, but those types of, of, of teams definitely have that dedicated fan base, which maybe John Morant can go off of. But I was going to ask you about R.J. Barrett, and he's been seemingly wanting to be a Nick for a long time. And, of course, you, I'm sure everybody has seen that footage of him walking into Madison Square Garden and having them. Uh, it, I don't think they showed exactly what it was on the Jumbotron that he was reacting to, but obviously very emotional. The Knicks have had an identity crisis for as long as I want to say as I can remember because it's been that long, but it's probably been for like the past 10 years or so. Do you think that R.J. Barrett is the player that can turn that around for the Knicks? I definitely think he can be a part of it. I don't know necessarily if he's going to be exactly it, but he's definitely going to be a big piece of the puzzle that can help the Knicks make a comeback and not be where they're at right now. Not be where they're at right now. And, of course, there is some other young talent on the Knicks, like Kevin Knox, assuming that Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) 
uh, Dolan or whoever. I, I'm forgetting the GM. Uh, the GM. Um, Nick, are you, Nick, are you telling me there's something wrong with Knicks in general? Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. The sarcasm. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Um. Okay. You know I have the power to mute your mic, correct? Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm just yeah. gonna throw that out well, there. Well, well, Nick, I I have a question for you. Sure. Um, I have one. I Brandon can follow up on this because I want to ask him about Nasir Little. But who is your biggest disappointment for how far he fell? For how far he fell? Yes. Well, I would or, have or, or, or with Brandon, a, you with a pick. You or with a pick. Do you want to help me out with this one? Because I, I have to think about this one a little bit. Um, So the the, the pick that, um, that puzzled me, I'll say the most, was the well, well, Washington Wizards. That's what I was going to say. But I don't know if – I don't know. He was talking more about the placement in which – um, Hachimura Hachim- was dropped. It was dropped to. I don't know. I if think he was too high. Um, yeah. I think mm, Cameron I think Cameron Johnson at eleven with the Suns. That was they high. said that, that he was he was pos- he was a second rounder, and he goes into the into a lottery like a late first second rounder. What are the Suns doing, man? What what are know. they doing? Uh, the the, the ownership must. We'll be get to it. I have stupid. everything planned uh. out. You're getting ahead of me, but I, I totally agree. I'm just taking a look at the draft I right say, draft boards right now. Cam Reddish falling to the Hawks at ten. I mean, Cam Reddish was thought to be a top five pick at one point beginning of the season. Yeah, I thought that that to me that was gonna be like the the drop that I thought, but I think he fell to the perfect place. We're gonna yes. get to that in a second, obviously, but I think he fell to the perfect place. Um, Bobo kind of was a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, I thought he would. I thought I definitely. I believe he is a first he's a lottery pick talent and he just needs to put weight on and I think him not having that much weight was gonna be that big of a deal for his character issues, I'm not sure. But forty four, forty four is a drop, is a huge drop from where he was expected to. And just it was sad to see him just be the only run in that green room. Brandon and they keep going back and forth to him and they're just showing his face. It was it was sad to see, but I think he I think he's a, a Huge. He's, he's a steal. Three. He's a steal. He's a seven three guard. Like, and the Heat didn't keep him. How can you? Oh I don't God. understand it. I don't understand it. Brandon, should Nasir Little have gone back to UNC because there was all yes. those flaws and he was a he was almost he was he was a seventh man. He wasn't really even a sixth man. And now, how many he he, he missed on millions of dollars by not going in the top five, top ten. Yeah. Uh, is it is it his advisors? Is it him? What 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 was wrong with that situation to where he fell so far? So I've 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 actually been around on this year a little little bit um through like you know on the AAU scene and uh, just like you know mutual mutual friends. Um, he's a very confident guy, and people were probably telling him that he wasn't gonna be you know a top five pick, and he just believed so much in his talent that he maybe maybe went against it. Um. He definitely should have stayed at UNC. He he really wasn't able to prove to prove he had a perimeter game at all. Um, didn't handle the ball very much at all at UNC. He didn't shoot the ball very much at UNC, but he did show he was a great defender, very athletic, and showed some promise of being you know a great maybe three guard one day. But as of right now, all I'm seeing is a very athletic wing with. A ceiling that's really not that high, in my opinion. I think he he definitely should have stayed at UNC to prove his game more, because he obviously wasn't able to prove that he has made strides since the season's over, since he dropped so low. Nick Roy Williams doesn't sit someone for for no reason, right? And and that's what puzzled me the most. Yeah, I agree. I I 
was a little surprised that he was in this draft at all. But as Brandon said, if he's that confident, sometimes confidence just really, I, I guess, screws you over <laughs> in that sense. And it's not necessarily about – it's not about missing the money. It's really about missing the opportunity to succeed in the league right away, or at least not right away, at least in the D League, somewhere in an organization. Honestly, if I'm taking a look at Nazir Little's path right now, I don't think he's going to go anywhere in the G League or the D League or whatever it's called now. Is it, it Which one is it? Is it's, it's the G, it's the it's G, the G League. League. He's on Portland, he's which on, is which okay spot. Brand, Brandon you know, mentioned you know his future as a three-guard, and I thought originally, well, you know, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are some pretty nice people to look up to when you want to talk about I guess mentor guard play, guard play remember, mentors, remember. even though they're not necessarily the same position and they're don't not they're not exactly the same play style. Uh, they're they're nice players to look up to, and he's gonna Nazir Little's gonna play overseas for a little while. There, I, I don't see him mm, really. What? I don't no, I don't I don't really, really? see I don't I don't I don't see him really going anywhere right now. I can see him. Developing. He'll bounce around. Is basically oh, he'll, he'll definitely bounce around. But I can see him developing into a solid role player. I see when I see when I think Nasir Little, I think of maybe a potential of a Evan Turner. Okay. That, that Brandon just got rid of. He's he's almost like he, he's trying to take over Mo Harkless's spot, essentially. <laughs> essentially, he's, but, it, but he, he's small. He's a lot smaller than Mo Harkless. He's six six, and he was playing the yeah. four. I mean, he has to me. I think he's going to. He's he's he could he definitely showed that he could shoot the ball in workouts that I've seen and in NBA combine, but he. But, yeah, he needs there, to work. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with averaging two points a game your first year. Like you no. don't have to be successful your first year, and that's the problem with college basketball and the NBA. It's it's fine. It's fine to 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 not be great your first couple years. I mean, Nick, were you amazing your your freshman year at uh, what you did? Uh, what in terms of freshman year of college or freshman freshman year of college? Well, <laughs> what was I doing? I want you. <laughs> I I guess yeah, I was successful. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't really so, know how to answer that. Well. Okay, I, mean, I really don't know how to answer that. So you're telling me you, when you came onto the show the first time, you were, you were just as good as you were today. Absolutely, I've never skipped a beat. I've never made any mistakes at all on air. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, he has Nasir Little's confidence. I had, I had. Oh a, my god, yeah, we got yeah. a Nasir Little Jr. Hey, over here. Hey, look, I mean, I had a great panel on my first show. I mean, I had Ari Masudi, Kurt Weiler, and Ryan Kelly in the same room with me on my first show. So you can't, you can't really. Um, you can't really ask for a better panel in that sense uh, in terms of the old regime. But uh, final 10 minutes here. We got a couple of winners and losers to get through. Obviously, uh, I've got everything listed out here. So, Luke, you've kind of already said your winners and losers already, but we're just going to kind of retread here. Who are your winners for this NBA draft and why? Uh, my, my winner is going to be – I'm going to whittle down to one. Uh, it's the Hawks. The Hawks got who they wanted. Um, they traded up. They It, it just – DeAndre Hunter – he had a great he had a great run in in the post uh, in in the postseason, and I really really do like the Cam Reddish uh, deal to the space the floor because Trey Young, um, Trey Young essentially got himself a Clay Thompson type sniper. Uh, what's what's wrong with Cam Reddish is does he have the motor like the will? Does he? I, I feel like he checked out a little bit well, during think, during college basketball season. I think the problem with Cam Reddish is that he was forced to become not the number one shooting option right away. But when Zion went out, he took up a lot of that that kind of role. And obviously, we saw what he did against Florida State. He hit that buzzer beater. But RJ, uh, not RJ, excuse me. Cam Reddish is really going to benefit from a, a regime and a pro and not a program, Nick, but a Nick, team in which he's not going to have to shoot the ball. Cam Reddish was right was the Kevin of the Jonas Brothers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he didn't want to be the Kevin. Wow. He wanted to be Nick Jonas, okay? And 
it, it, it didn't happen. He's got a chance to now be Robin to Trey Young. I'm throwing out all these references today, just trying <laughs> to. But I, I'm going to quickly get through. The Suns, horrible. Absolutely terrible what they did. I, I, I want to say that they traded out their pick, or, or they traded out a pick to get Ty Jerome at 24. Does that really do anything good? No, uh, that's, I mean, really. that's a poor man's Devin Booker. Uh, it's, it's, it's a poor, you poor, have. Dude, it's a poor man's Nick Stauskas. I think he's Nick Stauskas level, actually. But Cameron Johnson, he's 23 years old, going on 24, and you're drafting him 11? Are you kidding me? If, if anything, you're going to trade back even farther than what they did. It it, it begs the question of what this what what's going to make the Suns successful? If D'Angelo Russell goes to the Suns, do they even get better at this point? Like, come on. I don't know. That's a good question. Brandon, winners, losers. Um, I think 1A and 1B, it definitely has to be the Atlanta Hawks and the New Orleans Pelicans because what the Pelicans were able to flip with what they got from the Lakers is just uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. They they took everything, all the young stars that the Lakers had, and they took their future, and they flipped it and turned it into a promising team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think the team is going to be as great as everybody says they are because at the end of the day, they lack shooting. Mm-hmm. All of the players that they have on their team really aren't you know, developed shooters. Drew Holiday is probably the best shooter they have on the team right now, and he's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world. That just says something. But in terms of the draft and where the future looks, I think they did great. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, they, they, they could have um, a version of the Splash Brothers on their hands. Oh, yeah. I've talked high about Cam Reddish all year. I've always loved Cam Reddish, and I think he doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt. He played with R.J. Barry, who take, took 18 and a half shots a game. He played with Zion Williamson, who was the unanimous number one pick and probably has the most upside of anybody. And when, R- when Zion went out, he played well. Florida State destroyed us. Uh, the stretches, the, the, they went through the ACC where uh, they went without Zion. He played well. Uh, didn't shoot the ball. as co- He's very inconsistent, but I think with somebody like Trey Young, no penetrating and kicking to him with the space with the spacing of the NBA. The NBA spacing is ridiculous. It's honestly I've heard it's what, like Luka Doncic just said. It's easier to score in the NBA than overseas. But with the spacing of uh, that they have and the shooters with uh with um uh the shooters that they have and DeAndre Hunter that they picked up in the draft, they're gonna be a I think they're gonna be a playoff team this year. Well, honestly, I take in the East. In the East, I mean, you're saying something. It's just it is the East, but <laughs> the team that they have right now in the future is very bright. If the Magic can do it, the Hawks can do it, right? Uh, and what? Uh, you, what was your loser, really quickly? Oh, the, the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Yeah, the Phoenix Suns. They're, okay. I don't. Well, I don't we, they're, we, we, they're the worst team in the NBA. By they're the worst organization. Organization in the NBA. Period. Behind right. saying a lot. <laughs> All right, Courtney. Knicks. Um, I mean, I don't have much to add because they're the same teams are the ones that I would pick as well. The Hawks making it to the playoffs, it's a hot take. It is Just because Atlanta that. sports man, unless you're Atlanta United, you you pretty much disappoint me. <laughs> you're right. I'm, I'm, a really, I'm really sorry about so. that. However, I love the Cam Reddish pick. The Hunter, uh, Hunter, I forgot how DeAndre. to DeAndre. DeAndre Hunter, I mean, he's, he's going to be great defensively for the Hawks, especially when you have um, Trey Young. He, you know, he's kind of on the smaller side. Great shooter. But not on the. He's not so much defensively. So the Hawks really did a good job by picking up Hunter. Uh, for my, I mean, w- uh, Pelicans and Hawks were obviously winners for me. 76ers were also winners. They lost uh, Robert Covington in that trade for Jimmy Butler. They lost their primary three and D guy. They got a great three 
and D guy in uh, I'm blanking on the it, it, well not blanking on on the pronunciation anyways it's Matisse Thibault uh, or Thibault something Thibault. like Thibault Thibault, Thibault. Yeah. there we go I love that pick great pick especially because they're probably going to lose Jimmy Butler too I'm not saying that this is a replacement for Jimmy Butler at, <laughs> at pick number 20 in the NBA draft but this is a great place to start in that regard loser uh, Washington Wizards and I'm just going to say that just to not say the Phoenix Suns because we already established how yeah. disastrous <laughs> the Phoenix Suns are but uh, the Washington Wizards were horrible on defense this past year really horrible and if there's one thing that Ryu Hachimura is you know bad at it's defense so they of course they got you know a guy that can score and he will score but that was never their problem and the, you see it in trends with teams like the Suns and the Wizards they are consistently bad because they don't assess their needs this was certainly a pick that was okay i'm going to try and pick the guy that i think is the best available more so than picking the guy that's probably going to help the franchise the most nick I i've got two questions for you here sure what what the pelicans did reminds me a lot of the overhaul that the dallas cowboys did with jimmy johnson when they traded away herschel walker and basically built their team around all those all those picks i really i really think that that's a that is a solid that's a, a solid comparison now, what what's to say that this doesn't become a Danny Ainge situation over with the Boston Celtics? I, I don't think it will be, but it, it, is there that, that amount of risk, or is this one of those home runs like what the Cowboys had in the it's NFL? It's hard to do what Danny Ainge did. It's really hard to screw it up that badly, and I'm not yeah. saying that he screwed it up. Uh, this is the worst screw-up, but you think about the haul that he got from Brooklyn for, from that trade. And you got the pieces that you wanted. You got Tatum. You got Brown. You got Terry Rozier. You got great pieces from that, but you weren't be able. To, you weren't able to build a good team. Nick, and now he's just throwing everything away and it restarting. Was, it was a highway train robbery. What he did with Brooklyn, and he crashed the train. Yeah, I know. I know. It's absolutely insane. Uh, um, back to your. I'm gonna say I'm talking about um, Huey really quick. Um, I, I really didn't like that pick at all. Like I said earlier, I, I just think that he's just not ready. And yeah. he's a six eight six nine power forward, and that's not what the what you're if you're no. the Wizards, that's not what you're looking for. That's what for. I'm saying. They they took the best available, and he wasn't really even the best available. Something he, was up with the draft board in the Wizards draft. And room. Chauncey Billups had the nerve to compare this man to a <laughs> young Kawhi Leonard. I almost broke that oh TV. I had no Chauncey clue had what a he tough was talking night. about. He was definitely he was a loser tough. on that night. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, really really quickly, I just want your favorite pick from the draft uh, in the next minute because we do uh, only have favorite about a minute pick. left. Nick, can can you start off your Yeah, I pick? can go. I loved, absolutely loved Carson Edwards to the Celtics early second round. I love that pick so much, yeah. especially because you're probably losing Kyrie. I'm not going to say for – okay, for guaranteed that you're you're going to lose Kyrie. He's already halfway out the door. Carson Edwards, if he showed anything in his time at Purdue, he can score. You're not going to be losing anything from the scoring with Kyrie Irving, even though as amazing as Kyrie Irving is, you're going to get a little bit better defense with Carson Edwards. Anyways, he was a steal in the second round. That's my favorite pick of the draft. Nick, um, this is a little bit of an outlandish one because you don't really know what you're going to get from Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. I, I, he played about five games over at Vandy. But I like the risks that Cleveland is doing right now, given that – you don't really the the jury's still out on Colin Sexton. He's not. I think he's a bust, but uh, he's not. I think he's a he, he's he, the best he could be is probably Drew, or uh, not Drew Bledsoe. Oh my gosh, Eric Bledsoe. Uh, so I is it? Er it's Drew. It, it's, it's Eric Bledsoe. Is it er Eric Bledsoe? It's Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, I know it wasn't Drew. Gosh, but I I think Darius Garland that that could be a home run pick because they said uh, Jay Billis said that he is the best shooter 
in the NBA draft. And looking at looking at his stroke from high school, I know it's high school. He's got like a Trey Young type of shot. Mm. All right, Brandon, really quickly. All right, I'm going to go with Kobe White to the Bulls. I love that pick I as well. I thought that was an excellent pick. I think he was the guard that they needed. I think Darius Garland would have also been a pretty good pick, but but Kobe White is going to be solid for them. Put him along Zach Levine and the rest of the young guys that they have on their team. I think he's a perfect fit. All right, Courtney, rounding out the show, what do you got? Oh, I love Ja Morant just from because I – because I got to watch him play, and I'm just biased, and I love to see him play basketball. He loves the game, and I love the pick. Love the pick. Also about that, I think he's going to bring, in that middle middle market, he's going to bring a yeah. lot of people to watch those games because of how exciting and explosive he is. And then just a certain intensity that I think the Grizzlies have been lacking for a long, long time. Well, that is the end of this episode, this show, rather, of Tomahawk Talk. Thank you all so much for being here with us all tonight. For Courtney, for Brandon, for Luke, once again, I have been your host, Nick Carlisle. New releases up next. We will see you next week. You've been listening to Tomahawk Talk on WBFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.